Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are indisposed. I have we have a under the weather, Doctor D. How are you feeling there, D? Oh, I think I can. I think I can make it through. I can be carried through on my enthusiasm for this chance to speak with you about this particular movie. Excellent, boy. Are we on the same page? <laughs> Good. And we're jumping right in with Blade Runner 2049. But before we jump into that, we're going to do a little... uh, We're going to shine the light on the original with Harrison Ford and get that out of the way so that we can uh, devote more 2049 time to 2049. (laughs) Dr. D, you just watched it the other night, did you not? I watched it last night with my good lady wife. And now, did, were you able to secure the final cut, or which version did you end up seeing? Uh, at your uh, behest, I watched the final cut. Actually, I'd seen the director's cut about a month ago with my son, before we talked about reviewing, re-viewing the movie. And so I wanted to make sure that you and I were apples to apples, so I, I tracked down the final cut. For, 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 for those who may be not quite fully in the know what we're talking about with the different versions of Blade Runner. Blade Runner's had a very complicated, the original film, has had a very complicated history over the years. It was released in 1982. It was a problematic film shoot in the fact that there were just a lot of technical difficulties. Uh, there was a lot of uh, off-camera shenanigans, involvement, uh, conflicts, etc. It got to a point where the film had to be released. Possibly because of preview audience reactions, a narration was put on the film against Ridley Scott's initial wishes. Then there, at the same time, there was an international version, which was five seconds longer, uh, had a little more blood in it. And that was what, uh, oh, narration and a happy ending. That's what was tacked on to the original film. And that's how it existed for about 20 some odd years. Then in the early 90s, a theater wanting to show the presumably the international version, um, was accidentally shipped a rough cut of the film that was much closer to the original plan for the film in that it didn't have narration, it didn't have a happy ending, but it was a complete surprise to people who went to see it just to see it in the theater 20 years later. Um, And when word got out that this was significantly different from the released version, Warner Brothers pulled it back and Ridley Scott was called in and did a quick director's cut which did not afford any uh, digital correction of mistakes and things that hadn't been gotten to the first time around because it was rushed into release. And that director's cut was something between the work print version and the released version. Now, a few years later, for like the 40th anniversary or something like that, uh, Ridley Scott went in and did the final cut, which basically just polished a couple of corners, uh, ironed a couple of wrinkles, much like uh, Lucas did with the Star Wars trilogy. He sort of digitally corrected a couple of things that they had always planned to, but couldn't. And that is what is signed off on as the definitive version of the film by many, if not most, fans. Well, and certainly it sounds like the, the filmmaker himself for him, that's as close as it's going to come Correct. to what he Correct. wanted in the first place. Uh, I have to say, right off the right off the bat here, 
I had almost no knowledge of any of that. I am already better for having spoken with you about this movie. I didn't realize there was all of that, those shenanigans going on. And I have such a murky recollection in my own mind of what the story was, how it ended, what it meant. And it was probably because I either saw two versions, but didn't realize that they were two different. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just. Uh, and and you, you you couldn't be you couldn't be blamed because in 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 all in all fairness, once the final cut came out, the director's cut should have just been taken out of <laughs> circulation. Right, um, and that's that's the one I own is the director's cut. Oh no! Okay, well, <laughs> well, you know, you know, her uh, my my wife uh, worked at Warner Brothers for years, so we had access to stuff from time to time and would uh, take advantage. Sure, sure, sure. So. Had you seen it in the theater when it came out? That's the first question I have for you. I do have only the vaguest recollections of seeing it when I was a teenager. So I imagine I was around 15 or so. I don't know if that was... Yeah, 15 or 16 is when I saw it. So I saw it in the theaters, but I'm murky on whether I was watching the original or the... It must have been the original and not the yes. not the European cut. The, no, but the international version is what was released on video for a long time. Like on VHS, there was like this the special international. That that's how we got to see the international cut. Got you. So I probably saw the original in the theater, and then saw either somehow saw the VHS along the way, or I saw it on TV or something. I don't know. I I did not see it in the theater when it came out. I oh. it only ever existed for me on video until. Uh, in the early 90s, I was one of those people who got to see the accidental work print when it came out in the oh, theater. And, that's uh, so cool. It, and, and, and the thing is, too, is like right out of the gate, it is significantly different. I mean, like everyone in the audience just, oh, like fucking stop talking. And about 20, 30 minutes into it, I just had a sense. It was so loose and unpolished. I was like this is a work print. This is a mistake. Like I just, I was just like, on it the whole time. And I, and consequently in the course of the next week, I went back and saw it three more times. Because oh, wow. I just realized, soak it up because this isn't going to be, you're not going to have access to this again. Holy I have cow. A feeling. And then sure enough, it was pulled and there was an article in the paper a couple of days later about what happened and that a director's cut was now going to be on the way because blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, no, that was quite an experience. It was, it was quite an experience. But, um, okay, so you obviously did not grow up with this movie, like, constantly in your in the background. No. Whereas I did, and almost have it committed to memory. So let's, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you hit it? Okay. Like this pipe, baby. Well, here's the thing, is that I'm sort of trying to reconcile between what my teenage mind thought of it, you know, X number of years ago, lo these many years ago, Versus what my adult mind is is thinking of it now, having seen verse two versions of it so close closer together. So I guess I've at this point since seen three different versions of the four that exist, uh, quote unquote exist, and I was really taken by it as a kid. Although I had I sort of left it feeling disappointed somehow that I couldn't quite put my finger on then, but have a better idea of now. And obviously it is so amazing to look at. 
uh, and the, my experience of watching it last night, even somehow more than watching the director's cut, streaming it HD last night was almost revelatory in terms of uh, soaking in some of the visuals. And mm. just, just the whole way it's shot, the mise-en-scene, if I might say, you know, all the set direction, Ooh. all that all that stuff. I was really into it last night. And part of it may have been that watching it with my wife and she wasn't as familiar with it. So she was asking questions and, and I was sort of in explaining it to her, helping her kind of catch up and understand what was happening. I got a greater or a better understanding for myself than I'd ever had before, making connections I hadn't made and things like that. So the experience of rewatching it, I can wholeheartedly encourage anyone listening now who's seen it in some of the former incarnations but hasn't seen this one to go out and and soak that in certainly if all you ever saw was the theatrical release yeah basically if 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 whatever your source was doesn't say final cut don't watch it that's my <laughs> advice anyone who could possibly be along at this moment unless it says it. unless it says rough cut then <laughs> then jump on it the way you did well there is some there is a lot of interesting detail in the work print there, there are some, like, like basically, it's before what is known in editing jargon as trims and outs. The, the, the headers and footers of shots are kind of in. So a lot of scenes have a looser flow, and they haven't cut to reaction shots that are normally there. Most significantly, uh, halfway through, the music drops out. The Vangelis hadn't finished mm. writing the score yet. So aside from the fact that it doesn't include that really insipid saxophone love theme, <laughs> halfway through, they start going to like some stock Jerry Goldsmith music from other movies. But there are also scenes where there's no music going on and you're hearing the wild sound that you don't hear in the final, in any oh. version, because they've mixed up sound effects and, and score. And that's what you're predominantly hearing. So it's really, it's a fun watch as sort of like an alternate it's sort of like just sitting with certain moments a little longer. I highly recommend it to anyone who's mm. a fan and hasn't right. seen it. If you can fit, find a a source for that, you're specifically talking oh, about the rough cut. Oh, right? but oh no 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 oh yeah, but uh, no Warner Brothers did uh, did an amazing thing. Uh, there is a uh, five disc set out there which has every version. Wow, um, including the work print. It's got final director. It's got the original U.S. theatrical, and it has the. Uh, you mean the four the international hour version? Print? It's not four hours, actually. Okay. I think it's about the same, or possibly even a little shorter. Oh, I guess I had read that. I guess it was like the first assembly or something was four hours long. That could very well be. That that yeah. usually does happen is when they yeah. just string out everything to sort of start whittling down. No, I actually, I watched the final cut with my wife a couple of nights ago, and then last night I was uh, needle dropping and showing her highlights from the work print and what was different there. <laughs> oh man, I wish I'd been there for that. <laughs> Next time we get together, you got it. And, uh, and I want to show her a little, just like a little clip of like the bad narration that, <laughs> that we've all had to suffer with and the happy ending and all this other stuff. So yeah, work print, everybody. It's uh, it's out there and it's a beautiful thing. So, in context of twenty forty nine and the anticipation of that, yes, what, how was that? How was that registering with you? Well, let movie? me let me stop and 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 just say one thing because I wanted to go back to that the statement I made earlier on where I said I left it as a fifteen year old feeling uncomfortable, like mm -hmm. unsat unsatisfied. Yeah, and. Even when I watched it a month ago, it didn't really 
land for me, but today it did land. And since this is Hollywood RX and I am a doctor, I have a cure for what's wrong with this movie. There is something for me which is grievously wrong, but I'm worried about talking about it because no, 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 no. Require, let's do it, baby. No, no, it no, no, no. That's what this is all about. a little bit of a spoiler. So if anyone has never seen any version of this movie, then this is the time for you to, you know, uh, skip ahead skip, about ten skip minutes. Skip ahead, yeah, not even ten, probably. Okay. Um, okay. Here's here's the thing: is that because because I because for me there's a cancer in the movie that could not be <laughs> eliminated. It, oh, it, 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 almost a birth defect. Well, then, no, 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 you first, man. You know, no, 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 you want to start. You started. Okay, so here's here's what it comes down to. We're in the last, you know, three minutes of the uh, of the fight between uh, Batty and and uh, and Rick Deckard. Deckard, yes. And we're on the roof, and he jumps across, and he doesn't make, and he's holding the girder. The other guy jumps across easily, and. There's this, um, and, and to me, all of that stuff was really shot really well. I thought it really held up very well with the crashing through the, the wall and pulling his hand in and breaking his fingers and all these little awesome little beats that lead up to it, the cat and mouse that they do. I love mm -hmm. all of that, and I thought it was super tense and it had me super engaged. And when, you know, Deckard is hanging there, you know, clearly uh, uh, he'll die if he falls. And then he does finally slip and Roy shoots out and grabs his arm and lifts him up. All of the tension went, goes out for me. It, the whole, it's like a balloon. Just all the air goes out of the rest of that scene for me because there's Why? no longer, because there's no longer in my mind, any concern for the well-being of the hero because Batty does not, not appear to be aggressive or or does not appear to be intending to harm him in any in any way where up to that point it kind of seemed like it could have been it does the point that was the point well the point was lost on me then and the point is lost on me now wait i'm i'm confused <laughs> what okay the, i i don't think well no, no no because i don't think i don't think the film is asking for you to 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 feel tension that's the to feel tension for bad for uh Deckard at that moment right oh that, that's fine that's fine if that's what they wanted and that's th that's fine if that's what they wanted but what I was left with was this feeling of deflation I don't go I it, the the tension doesn't ease out of me and then it gets replaced by wonder or by something else it just gets replaced by dissatisfaction and mild confusion wow and okay. unfortunately, I think I'm one of the people who, if I'd seen it at a, at a test screening in Chatsworth way back when, I would have said, I don't understand. And that would have then required some sort of voiceover. So you would have preferred a more conflict-driven resolution to that? Uh, nope. Or I something more the way, visceral? The way I would have fixed it is with Batty saying something to the effect when he grabs his wrist of saying, you're not getting off that easily. Or anything that kept the tension going. And then while he's giving his speech about the things I've seen and so on and so forth. And then when he says his line, time to die. I could have thought in that moment, is he about to kill Deckard? But then he himself dies. And so hmm. that tension for me would have lived right up until the moment. That right up until that okay. moment. I get it. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it. So 
I think there's a way for you to have your ambiguity and not completely lose the tension and still get everything else that they wanted to have in there and keep me well, with them. I, I understand what you're saying about the the the, the road not traveled, the, the way they could have handled that up until the very last sentence. But I don't have that big a... It wasn't that uh, that deflating for me. I, didn't, I never really had a problem with that no, part I of the No, I understand. Ending. I totally, and I knew that that would be the case with you and with many people. But so when I walk out in the end and I'm feeling somewhat let down, I then carry that somewhat let down feeling as my benchmark for that movie. Despite all huh. the other amazing things that are in it, all the other cool stuff. There's so many great lines. Roy Batty has so many cool lines. Oh my God. What's, uh, I love when he calls the other guy father. Yeah, Terrell. You know? Yeah, Terrell. Um, the line where he says, if you could only see what I've seen with your eyes, is a fantastic line. Yes, he, he actually says that to uh, Victor Wong in the beginning yeah, yeah. of the movie. <laughs> Seinfeld off. What was your cancer? Oh, the cancer for me is Sean Young. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> or maybe I misunderstood, but at the beginning of yours, you said that there was like a, you know, it's three minutes that could have somehow been fixed. And, right. <laughs> and that prompted me to say, that's funny because the the flaw I find with it could not be fixed in the editing. It, it was doomed from the start because a woman named Sean Young was cast. Yeah. Here's, here's this weird thing, though. It's a little bit of a cheaty type thing, which is that, not cheaty isn't the right word, but since these characters are all supposed to be replicants, mm -hmm. you know, the various ones, it gives you, I mean, she looked perfect. You have to say she looked like she had stepped out of a 40s movie. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. She, she, definitely, she definitely embodies the look they wanted for that character. Right. But since all of those... There's this sort of idea that maybe they don't have emotional range, particularly hers, as opposed to Batty, who had achieved emotionality and, and that his little group. Right. But they're, they're all afforded the opportunity to be a little flat in their acting because they're quote unquote robots. And so the stiffness, I just put it off to that. I go, OK, she's a robot. She doesn't, she's not supposed to be good. Problem is, is that she's so robotic in, the, in this scene that introduces her. It's obvious to us, the audience, she's a robot because she's, she's acting so robotic. Okay. I'm That's... like, dude, clo close the briefcase. You don't need to test. It's clear. Right. Like, well, hang it's on really a second. Clear. Okay. I have to add something to that as long as you brought it up. That's absolutely true. But here's the thing. Um, Ridley Scott, and I'm sure his cinematographer, went out of their way to figure out this trick of a way to um, photograph the owl and the, vari uh, the various replicants so that there was this reflection that went on in their iris or in their whatever that wasn't done digitally it was done practically do you know what i'm talking about i do know what you're talking about well why do you need a fucking test at all if every time you look in their eyes you can see it with the mm. weird with the weird red eye you know the polaroid red eye that everybody has i'm like why would you even need a test for anyone no matter how tricky they were well fair enough i guess <laughs> I will tell you, there's another thing that they do in here that is, it's one of the things that makes me the most angry at a filmmaker because they are either yeah. saying, I'm too dumb, or they're admitting that they're not good enough, that they didn't do a good enough job. Okay. And it has come up in The Sixth Sense and has come up in a bunch of different places. Uh-oh. Planes, tra planes, trains, and automobiles uh, grievously does it. 
Uh, we have a scene with the character named Gaff, played by uh, Edward James Olmos, right? We sure do. He says to, near the end, he says to Deckard, it's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? Right. And then no less than two minutes later, we hear that line again as a, as a voiceover. And it's just way too soon, and it's kind of gratuitous, and I'm not sure. It's like, did you want those to be the last lines of the movie? Or why does it pop up again so soon? For me, it doesn't add anything to that moment that Deckard is remembering that he heard that recently. I understand. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. I, that, that, that I, I'm that not asking you to, to, annoys to defend me too. it. I'm just saying no, 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 no. that... No, I know, I know. But I mean, I'm just talk saying. About, talk about me walking away with a bad taste in my mouth. So that's, that's unfortunate. The movie does also does commit what uh, what is for me one of the the commandments of film grammar that just <laughs> yeah uh, I can't describe my hatred for it enough. It's when a scene is being replayed via television or videotape or computer for another character, a scene that we've already watched, and the yes. monitor footage they're watching is the setup that we watched when it was happening the first time. Right. Now, it's not quite that bad in this case because when they're watching, in the beginning of the film, when M. Emmett Walsh is showing Harrison Ford the, the videos of the replicants, we don't, we don't get the, the, the cross cut to the guy questioning him, Walsh. Right. The camera's only fixed on Leon. So you could argue that that is like a surveillance camera fixed at the subject. Yes. And that's what they're watching. And we got the like the camera POV the first time around when we watched it and it was cross-cutting. So I can kind of <laughs> let it go. But it sticks but in your craw a little bit. Just a tiny bit. Not as much as Sean Young, but just a tiny <laughs> bit. It does. And I mean, I can't, I mean, I, you know, I, I absolutely love this movie, uh, but that's it's not immune. That's funny. Now, listen, a couple other thoughts I had while I was watching and I just wanted to touch on. Was that I had yeah, yeah, never yeah, because everyone of... wants us to get to the real, the real. Oh, the main I know, course. I know, but okay, that's true. But uh, you always do this to me. In any case, I, I, it hadn't sort of sunk into me before with this. And I feel stupid saying it that Ridley Scott was creating this in a context of other filmmakers. So I, I was very aware of what must have been the influence of Stanley Kubrick on this film. In terms, because 2001 had come out a, a, a couple of years prior to that. And I think this film owes a certain amount in terms of its uh, languid pacing and startling visuals. Wait, hold a, on a second. What, what, yes. what, hold on. I, have, I, have to, I don't think I'm understanding you right. You said, okay. you said that Ridley Scott borrow, is borrowing from 2001, which came out a couple of years before? Well, way before. I'm not saying borrowing. I never said the word borrowing. I said that, that Scott was creating a work in the aftermath of 2001. Okay. That in some ways, I always saw him as this incredible groundbreaker because I saw his movie first. But in well, I actuality, would... it's not that yeah. case. What, uh, what, what specifically in Blade Runner makes you think of 2001? This isn't necessarily going to be a great answer, but there are part of it to me is the pacing because I feel like this thing is paced like a snail. 
And in some ways, they're doing a film noir and they're throwing back to some of those kinds of more languidly right. paced things. I'm used to now, I'm now through the MTV generation, ha ta 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 ta, you know, fast cuts and all of this stuff. So when I go right. back and look at something like this, it's a little, for some reason with Alien, because there was tension throughout, I don't, when I watch that movie, I don't feel like, come on, let's get on with this. Hmm. Um, but, but in some cases, my sense that we're looking at visual shots of, you know, oh, now he's taking a, he's taking a vehicle over to the, uh, the T Tyrell, Tyrell Corporation. Now he's taking a vehicle back from there. That was, to me, there was no character development in there. It was just, hey, look at what this is. Look at what I can do. Well, because, I... Yeah. And so, to me, mm -hmm. 2001 is full of that. Because... Well... Mm. That's all. I mean, I don't, I'm not comparing the plots at all. 2001 barely has a plot, as far as I'm concerned. But, or not one that I'm interested in trying to piece together. And this is much more engaging at that level. But go on. What were you going to say? Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> I would say, no, I would say, I, I find that interesting that it's it's the languid pacing that links the two films for you to, to some extent. Um, because to me, if anything, Blade Runner is still in the shadow of Star Wars. And one thing that both Star Wars, I was get onto that. both Star Wars and 2001 have in common is uh, a very clean future. Everything is spotless and polished and yes. glassy yes. and whatnot. Now I, I could be wrong in, in my film history, but as I recall, Alien kind of being the first dirty science fiction movie where you saw <laughs> grease and. Yeah. spots and cracks on things like you would in real life. Yes. And Blade Runner did it times 10. But to me, the like the, 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 the flying over the city shot in the beginning, that to me has more of a Star Wars influence. You know, things have to fly in the future now and they have to roar when they pass the camera and mm. the sprawling city below. I, to me, that much like... Okay. Yeah. But I, I was also going to reference, I, I had three other filmmakers I was going to reference. One was, was Kubrick, and particularly 2001. And I understand what you're saying, but I kind of imagine that life on Earth in 2001, when you're saying it's spotless and clean and beautiful, you're talking about what's going on in a space. I'm talking, I'm, talking I'm talking about every set that we see. Right. But if we were to visit the Los Angeles of that time in that yeah but i'm not yeah but I'm, of course but yeah of course and if we went and if we okay. went up to the international space station right now it would be pretty probably pretty fucking clean too what well, i'm not i'm not putting <laughs> it in the context of the rest of that movie's world i'm just saying in terms of okay. the portrayal of the future and the stories taking place in it blade runner was was a bold step into darkness and grime and dirtiness and decay mingled with science fiction in a way that we really hadn't seen before. Okay. I see. I don't, I don't, here's, here, I'm, I'm a little confused because I feel like I've angered you by saying that no. he might have been influenced by a filmmaker that existed before him. It was a fairly innocent statement on my part. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. I, no. I, I don't have a problem. No, 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 no. I'm not angered by it. I okay. think you're completely wrong, but I'm not angered but, by it. <laughs> second but how can i be completely wrong that he he would not have been influenced by the work of his peers how, that's the only thing i'm saying and for you to 
Say I'm completely wrong. It makes you completely wrong. Frank. Well, I think. Well, I think you could say. I think you could say that every science fiction film, yes, is after two thousand and one owes something to two thousand and one. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Certainly, the, certainly, I, I, I feel, I feel like the beginning of Alien, the opening sequence of Alien, uh huh, owes ten times more to two thousand and one than anything in Blade Runner. Okay. I'm going to stand by my statement that he was an artist who was influenced by the artists around him. I, I feel like you're maybe. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he wasn't. I'm not saying that okay. he wasn't, but I just I don't see it in this film. Okay. I just don't see it as much in Blade Runner as I do in Alien. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Uh, also, in there, there is absolutely a character. Uh, there's a collection of what appears to be uh, little people. I don't know what the politically correct thing to say is. And they're kind of dismantling a car or, or doing something up on up on blocks. And one of them is wearing a hood and has lights for eyes. It is a it is a fucking Jawa straight out of New Hope. Oh, I'll have to look for that. I don't uh, I don't recall for I always I always get distracted by like the little Napoleon and, and Yeah, right. But this is this Pinocchio is out guy. In the, this is out in the grimy street about two thirds or three quarters of the way through. Um, it's just yes. a little one of these passing, you know, he's walking down the street. We're following him. And in the foreground as a background type activity, we see this little story play out. And hmm. so that made me think of uh, Lucas. And then I was also thinking about Terry Gilliam throughout. But then I realized that Brazil didn't come out till several years later. And so rather than the whole time I was thinking, oh, that whole thing with R.F. Sebastian is so is so much like a Gilliam thing. And then later I went, oh, fuck, Gilliam may have been inspired by this. And um, it was just well, interesting to me. To you could certainly different... definitely make the case that maybe um, Time Bandits influenced yeah. Yeah. that a little bit because that was definitely, that had been released by then. So you might be on to something there, just not, just not with Brazil. No, I understand. It was it was the the part where it's the future, but it's the forties, right? You know, it's the future, but it's the past. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but certainly okay. the predominance of the predominance of uh, of little, little people. people. <laughs> That's hilarious that that would be a takeaway. I need more <laughs> dwarves. <laughs> I did. I did caution everyone at the beginning of the show that uh, Doctor D is a little under the weather. But uh, yeah, it's to the, what extent it's medication the... is informing his view, we'll never know. So let me ask you. So yeah. So before we, um, before we, 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 we get to the meat and bones of this episode. Yes. 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 Um, because it's true, folks. There, are, there is meat and bones coming. <laughs> So so let's get I want to get the burning question out of the way before oh, either no. of us have seen okay. 2049 and yes. that is do you think Deckard is a replicant? Oh, um I'm a little confused just because of the versions I've seen and so on and so forth. I recently say, you saw the director's cut and the the final cut you are qualified to answer no, okay, this question. Okay. This is what I would say. You see, if you had asked me before I knew of the existence of 2049 and the casting in 2049, then uh, based on what I've seen and just isolating it to the universe that I know as of this moment, I would say that he is not, is what I would say. Um, I would say that that might not be the most interesting choice. But now let me ask you a question. But that that's what Are I think. You... Uh-huh. Had had you even considered that before? Was that notion going through your mind when you were watching it 
It was not going through my mind when I was watching it. No, no. It, it, that notion had traveled through my mind when as a 25 or 30 year old or a 40 year old or whatever, I knew that there was a, a group of people that thought that he was a replicant. So uh, okay, I sort of okay. processed some of that then, okay. but not not based on having seen it immediately and, and, and having a feeling like I have a justification for it, but more just sort of in my head going, I don't think so. Like, that's an interesting idea, but I don't know where that gets us. If Here's the thing. If the point is that he's a replicant and that he starts the movie thinking he's a human and ends the movie thinking he's a human, then that's the least interesting way to handle a guy who's figuring out that he's not who he thought he was. Leaving it ambiguous to me, something that could be so such a powerful story in its time would, be, would have been great. But they gave that journey to her. Hmm. And so he can't have the same journey and so on. Anyway, now, are you done with your questions or are you going to answer the same fucking questions you just asked me? I am leaning that way. I, having watched it recently, like you, in the last couple of days, I find I can't decide if they are intentional clues or if it's a very strong case of circumstantial evidence. Okay. I also feel like there are moments in the movie where he has a sense. I feel like if you watch the movie looking for clues, you'll find them because... It's kind of funny if you think about it, Los Angeles being the big giant city that it is, you know, all we hear is that there is, you know, like there are these replicants that landed somewhere, but somehow it's grubby M. Emmett Walsh behind the old Venetian blinds, <laughs> who's uh, apparently going to make sure that these four people don't get lost in the city of Los Angeles. And he's turning it over to this one guy. Why would he do that unless this is someone... Well, unless, A, they know that these four are sort of, like, confined to a specific geographical area, which maybe they are because they tried to break into the Cadrell Corporation and got fried in the electric fence. Yeah. Or maybe because Deckard has a nose for these things. Like, it takes one to know one. When he chases well, Zora... Hold on. Hold okay. on. I'm not done yet. When he chases <laughs> Zora out of the club and into the street, if you watch that scene again and you watch the way this set is populated... There is no justifiable reason for him going in the direction he does. Yeah. Unless maybe he's got some kind of sense. Like she's over in this direction. Right. What's something what's, like that. But the biggest the biggest clue yeah. of all is the unicorn. So he has this dream of the unicorn yeah. and then Gaff gives him the origami unicorn. Yes. It would imply to me that there's some kind of common denominator in the programming of these things so like they all have a mythical beast they all have like a mythical beast that they dream about or a unicorn or something and that 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 little origami unicorn at the end because there's no way gaff would know that mm-hmm. deckard had a dream of the unicorn so is it just an astonishing coincidence that he he leaves it well, there or is it just supposed to be that's him saying you know rachel's like this mythical thing man she's not gonna exist forever right you know okay i don't know well, but i think you put a little of these little things together and i think there's a strong case okay. i i listen you and i have had our our share of disagreements over the years about stuff so i don't want to <laughs> i don't that's how that's how he starts folks that sounds what that's how he starts how, no 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 so here's the thing i have things that i would counter on the first two points that you made that for me in my mind lessens them as points 
you and I, you and I could talk about that off the air. But um, with regards to that very last one, I think that's the strongest thing for it. And my wife and I were talking about it. And so I do feel like much in the same way that when she comes, when Rachel comes to the thing and he goes, oh, there was the, you know, spider's nest that you watch happen. And he knows her inner thoughts because he knows what she was programmed. And so in the same way that that scene could be seen as an echo at just as you just said of the previous one, indicating that uh, Graf knows this, he know, I'm sorry, Gaff knows uh, Deckard's sort of secrets. Um, things he's never shared with anybody, but is, so it, it does lean into this idea that he is. But then to have an equally solid argument saying, or it could just be that she's the unicorn, so powerfully balances it out that I don't feel like that. That's to me that then instead of it being um, one really solid point you made and two ones that I felt like were, you know, it just it all evaporates. So forget forget all the metaphorical and mystical and oh how could we interpret this and how would we interpret that if he's a goddamn replicant he never lets go of that girder period good point unless i believe they qualified that nexus 6 was like this advanced stage of development specifically for physical prowess right and Part of my theory for Deckard being a replicant is that I think it's not so much that Rachel doesn't have an expiration date. I'm wondering if the earlier models, they don't know when it's going to expire. That would possibly explain why Deckard, if he's a replicant, would likewise not... Like, they don't know when these early ones are going to run out. They just are someday. Right. Well, Presumably. much as we ourselves will. Exactly. Okay. I, I think on that note, we should, uh, we should yes. put, a, put a pause on this. You folks just keep listening. It's going to appear as though no time has passed at all, as far as you're concerned. That's right. But in truth of fact, yes, we're going to take a break, watch 2049, <laughs> and then we'll be back with part two of the opening of part two of season three of Hollywood RX. Stay tuned. And we are back fresh off of 2049. Dr. D is piping. Why don't you uh, take it away? (laughs) I will take it away here. Um, Here's the thing is that I have a precursor to the actual discussion that you and I are going to have about the movie based on the precursor well i need i need to get something off my chest because i'm kind of uh i'm calming down a little bit but while i was watching the movie i was boiling mad at you uh whether it was fair to be mad at you or not with you specifically yes um because the experience i was having watching the movie was absolutely marred by something you said to me off air just after we finished the last recording oh i know what it is and oh, i know what it is consequently my head was in a place that it would not have been without your big effing mouth if you don't mind my calling it that way now you're talking to the guy what? hang on let me just give some back background for the for the listeners who don't know this i don't think i've talked about this before but if i have please forgive me i'm the guy who sat down to see the sixth sense spoiler alert and and i had spent 
all of my time avoiding anything about it that was possible except for that one thing with uh what's the name of the kid from that show Haley joel osmond oh yeah Haley joel osmond other than that him whispering i see dead people right uh and that so that had penetrated into my head nothing else had penetrated and a woman three seats down from me turns to her friend and says just as the lights are going down and the you know the 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 studio logo is coming up she says to her friend i heard the ending is very good it's very it's very surprising and my brain said bruce willis is dead and then the first images of the movie started and so the entire time i watched that first <clears throat> my first pass through sixth sense i already knew how it ended without having seen a frame of it and so i was actually able to enjoy that and watch like where are the scenes and what's going on and i actually had a rather interesting experience in watching it that way what would be a second viewing for anyone else <clears throat> in a sense and so <clears throat> you know this uh, about me that my brain works overtime and that i avoid everything so we shut off the mics last time he and i finished up a little bit of the discussion um that we had didn't didn't want to have an argument on the air about it or whatever and then as we were going away you said what to me what was it you said you you were hoping something about this particular film 2049 i said i was hoping that they weren't going to make ryan gosling his son now this was a thought that had never occurred to me because as <clears throat> is my practice i try not to think about anything or look at anything or have anything to do with anything and then as i'm sitting there one step after another they start dropping these little hints and these little clues and then this and then that and then this and then that and it wasn't that i thought god damn it greg guessed it before i had a chance to that's not why i was mad it was because i was like i think i would have loved the path that they are clearly taking us down if i hadn't had this in my head to begin with and so i won't say any more than that but that did it took me two hours to get over that and during that time, what I eventually did was I said, okay, so maybe that's what's happening, but maybe something else is happening. And then I worked out what was the else was. I mean, then I had plenty of time to think about <laughs> what was really going on. So in the end, uh, there was a, you know, an effect that you had on it and then an effect I had on my own self, like being too busy in my own goddamn head figuring shit out. So uh, between the two of us, well, we completely ruined my experience. But in any case... <laughs> well, you know, I had um, I had a similar experience in that there was something that you had said oh. that was kind of rolling on this uh, ticker tape loop in my oh, no. head. What was that? Throughout the whole movie, except it wasn't ruining the movie for me. It was making me look forward to using it back <laughs> at you when we talked about it. All right. And is this a, a moment for that or do we need to... Proceed with an actual conversation, and then you'll drop it in. No, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it be the segue. And it was your comment on the air uh -oh. about borrowing from Kubrick. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Because I would have to describe. I mean, I don't know if I would have come up with this on my own, right? Frankly, but I feel like Kubrickian pace is the best way I can describe oh the my experience God. of sitting through this movie. <laughs> my head is exploding. Oh, first of all, I have to say, we will play back to tape. You know both of us are going to go through that first uh, 45 minutes with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, and when we do that, I think you will find that I never use the phrase borrowing. You took No, that's it. true. You okay, sorry. Sorry. As no, no, no. Sort of, I, uh, that's where this I, I didn't mean... That, we were, I, that wasn't... Okay. That word did not have gravity in my intention. Okay. So, um, 
So here's the no, thing. No, no, no. So I, meant, I want to reset. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. Look, we're going to reset right I, all, here. All I really meant to say was that Kubrick, I don't think, would have been on my mind. <laughs> oh, if even I... As slow gotcha. as it, even as slow as it was going. I got Kubrick you. Kubrick wouldn't have been on my mind had you not said that. Oh, so my God. So now I feel, <laughs> I feel totally <laughs> empowered to say... To say it. Well, also... It wasn't Ridley Scott who was borrowing this time, so it's not quite as offensive an idea. But in any I case... I didn't mean <laughs> borrowing. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, I'm still sensitive about the other day, but it doesn't matter. We can move fast. On, so so your quick take, I'm going to boil it down, is that the pace was Arctic. And my quick take with regards to pace is I didn't notice the length. To me, this was a pretty anemic sequel. I oh. felt like... There was such a concentration on the on the visual design, much like I imagine. I I think a lot of people said about the original. I, that, and, not not uh, only many people, I said it. I said I it the other day. really liked. I really liked the premise that we have a replicant who's desperate to prove that he's actually a human being, mm-hmm. and that. His memories are not implants. That's really great. Like yes. for setting up the world of the first movie, that is a great. That is really like the best way. If you're not going to just make more hunting movies, that really is right. like the best way to expand on that universe. Okay. And I felt like it was very thinly fleshed out. Every scene felt too long to me. Oh my god, you're making me nuts. Oh, I'm so pissed. This movie was, to me, from my experience of this movie, the pace of it was much more uh, responsible to the viewer than the mess now that I think of as uh, Blade Runner. All those little things where I felt like it was, I was being gentle and saying, oh, it was kind of slow paced. And oh, no, no, it was masturbation to a certain extent. And this thing was a beautiful sex show, as far as I'm concerned. It was homage to the first movie. And it showed just how nuanced that oh original is. Uh, oh, my God. I want to take that scene where Rachel and he are in her his apartment, and she's playing the piano, and he's lying there with a the drink on his stomach. I want to take the, the film from that scene and wrap it around your neck and kill you with it. That scene is endless and pointless. There are so many exterior shots in that first movie of just him going to the place, him coming. Who the fuck cares? We just saw it in the opening shot, and now we're seeing it three more times. Who the fuck cares? It's, it's what's his name? What is that guy's name? Uh, oh, Quentin Tarantino level uh, excess for the sake of excess. That's that, uh, that movie there. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm volcanic over the comments you're making because they're the same ones that I would apply to the first movie. I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't even know who I am anymore. Um, so tell me some other things about it you didn't like. I don't, I don't mean to shut you down with my excitement. No, 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 no. Oh, you're not shutting... Oh, honey, you're not shutting me down. <laughs> Good. Tell me some uh, of your no, 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 stuff. No. Because I... No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, I never said that the first movie didn't have a little excess as far as that goes. But right. I felt like it was severe here because I felt like the plot itself... The, the mechanics of the plot were kind of stretched really thin. I felt like it took mm. a really long time to take us down the road that it was setting us up for. And 
okay, know, when, okay, when, when, okay. When, 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 when if suddenly they pulled the rug out from under us and, okay, he isn't really... Here's my first question. Here's yes. my first question. Okay. <laughs> if you're building robots... Yeah. You are afraid might have emotional reactions that might develop their own emotions. Why on earth would you build one with reproductive organs? Um, because, let me ask you something. Because they pull up Rachel's bones and they're aged bones. Mm-hmm. And, like, well, so what part of them is robot exactly? Why would those <laughs> bones be aged? Why wouldn't they be titanium or some other kind of... Um, metal superstructure. You know, the first would... movie, the first movie avoided what I call the Westworld money shot of that operating scene where there's yeah. a hole in the synthetic skin and just right. mechanics or biomechanics underneath. Okay, the first movie doesn't do that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It leaves on. it up to your imagination, and hold that's on. fine. But in okay. this movie, now they're bringing up so much and DNA, and I'm like, wait a minute, they're robots, right? What am I missing here? That your steam's coming out of your ears. Okay. Here's the thing. I was trying to stop you because I wanted to let everyone listening know and to clarify with you. When you say the Westworld money shot, you're actually referring to a movie that's nearly as old as the original Blade Runner and not making reference to the much more current and much more the referenceable for people yeah. here. Nearly the, as old, the TV meaning... Show. Meaning nine or ten years, right? But no, okay. no, no. I, I just, I'm just laughing because I happen to know. No one else, everyone else listening is almost certainly thought you were talking about the HBO show, and I knew, hey, man, and wanted to yeah, give you credit I, okay. for referencing. I, the I original. dropped a deep catalog. <laughs> I dropped a deep catalog reference. Right. I was it? Just, I wasn't thinking it was going to even take up thirty seconds. Right. But all I meant, and that's why I explained it, because I meant, you know, the shot where there's the skin and what would be guts, instead it's mechanical okay. guts. Hang on one second. That, I do feel like I, I'm not actually that interested in, like, explaining what uh, Terrell might have been thinking or doing as a way of justifying the movie mechanics here, the mechanics of the plot. But because. Last time we spoke, there was a certain amount of discussion about whether or not Deckard was a replicant or not, and there was lots of sort of fantasy used to explain how he might be based on what we saw. I'm gonna I'm gonna accept this as a as a challenge to say that Terrell is doing a new experiment, more human than human is what they want, and for he seems to me based on the the big thick glasses he had and that sort of gross the generally gross demeanor that he might have been looking to have a uh, to have her bear his prince uh, for his empire. Uh, perhaps he was childless childless, and wanted to, to experiment in that regard. I really can't answer for any Is of that. Is there anything in the movie that would, that would implicate that? I mean, I feel like that's, that's a huge stretch that the audience is responsible for making. Um, do you There's mean nothing in the anything movie in the movie to suggest that? To suggest what I just said? Yeah. Do you mean, okay, well, I'm going to just generally say no, but I'm saying no in the following category. You brought up several reasons why Deckert might be a replicant, and I feel that those reasons were as fantastic and marginally supportable by what we saw as anything I just said. All right. I'm not so, like... 
because uh, it's not something I believe that strongly about. If you're willing to believe, I mean, look, uh, I see. So if you look at Jurassic Park, it's not just that nature found a way. It's that by using, spoiler alert, frog DNA to fill in various spaces in the, in the genome sequence, they had created dinosaurs that were capable of self-procreating. Um, that's, that's where extra dinosaurs start coming from and things start jumping around and going crazy in the Jurassic Park uh, universe. Um, so I know I don't. I, I, I listen, if the cost of going on this particular ride is that somehow Rachel got pregnant, for the fun that I had, I'm willing to go on that ride and accept that at face value fun. and not question, not like mercilessly question or have it all cancel the whole thing. When you had suggested, when you had said to me that comment about, I hope he's not his son, what did you picture in your head that, that he had had a child with an actual human woman and that that was the offspring or was part of your honest, question? To be honest, I didn't even... I didn't even think that deeply about it because it didn't occur to me because I knew so little of the movie going into it that it didn't occur to me to think that Ryan Gosling was a replicant. Gotcha. Okay. So I was coming into it as he like that he was human. His character but, was human. That's right. I'm saying before I walked into the movie, you're asking me what what was the like why would I have made that comment? Like what was no, I'm asking on? you. I'm asking you. In in when you said, I hope that Harrison Ford isn't his father. Yeah. Uh, who who was his mother when you made that statement? I didn't think about it before that, seeing it. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think that that far into it. But never. My rationale for Rachel. saying that was because, but my rationale for saying that was because I thought that you know they would rely on that because, as I also said to you off, Mike. Like Roger Ebert said, there are no extraneous characters. So any mysterious figure that's being sought is nine times out of ten going to be someone within the circle of the main character. So, right. like I said, it was it, I didn't want to see Harrison Ford just like passing the torch down to the next generation a la Indiana right. Jones. Yes, and uh, River Phoenix, yeah. Or Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Or Shia LaBeouf, yes. I, okay. I was I okay. was angry at myself too for having said it because I didn't want to be right. <laughs> I know. That was the only pleasure I was getting while I was fuming at you. The only pressure I was getting was that you must have been miserable. I was. Watching it go the direction that you had feared that it would go. Yeah, um, and by the and, and, and right. similarly to your comment about once once Deckard's up on the roof in the original, your concern drops out. As soon as like we find out that conclusively it's not him, yeah, I was already having such a bad time that by that point I was like, done, hurry up and end it. Oh, you see, I, I was doing all that math ahead of time just because I like to ruin everything for myself. So I sat there thinking, okay, what if Greg is wrong? What oh, it's if not what just I'm for yourself. Not leading where it's going. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Um, so I said, so who, they, they said there was a, a boy and a girl and the girl died. So let's pretend for a minute that the girl didn't die and the girl is actually who we're looking for. Who are the women I've seen so far who are the likely candidates? Well, uh, Wallace has this woman who is an absolute, you know, like terminator of a, a replicant, uh, doing all of his, his henchman woman. 
right? I said, she's got her, she's possibly got Rachel's bangs. She had that unfortunate 40 style bangs, but I thought she's too unpleasant to be the daughter of Rick that only left uh, the woman who does memories. It didn't occur to me that it was going to be her. It should have because. Yeah. But I felt like, like I said, I felt like every scene went on too long. So I wasn't really well, kind of, I wasn't, okay, I wasn't so, sort of like bookmarking her to, to come back to later. I just. Let me, then let me care. sing some praises because I feel like we've been dumping on it for 20 minutes uh, or at least 15. We've been dumping. I mean, setting aside for a minute that I felt like, oh, wait a minute, I already know the answer. So now I'm, I'm, I'm cranky. Setting, throwing that out because that's just me being a, uh, an old on me being a dirty old bastard. I I love the look. I thought it was respectful of the first uh, one and it paid homage to that without being like a complete carbon copy of what it was. Mm-hmm. And sort of the pace at which things moved, meaning the pace at which ships flew through the air and whatnot seemed even to be following in the footsteps of the other thing. I was, I, I really liked that first scene with Dave Batista of uh, Guardians fame, also from Spectre. I liked him in this more than I think I've liked him in much anything else. I don't particularly like him in the Guardian movies. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a big talk for me. So I liked that first scene. I liked the the way the sort of mystery started to unfold where, okay, here's a flower. Why this weather a flower? Okay, well, to me, I go, it's marking a grave site. That's what he thinks also. They do the scan of the ground. They see there's something under there. That's a a makeshift coffin and then there's the date on the on the thing and so all those little pieces I was really enjoying finding those and collecting them and for whatever reason I was engaged in the interstitials that took us from one section or place to another they did a lot of jumping around here so there was a lot of establishing shots of where are you going now and what's going to happen there now there was a ton of that and I did think listen this movie does not need to be two hours and 45 minutes but the original one could have been an hour and ten. I mean, as far as I feel like there was actual plot here that you he needed to <clears throat> get through and go through to get to the payoff. Whereas in the first movie, I felt like there was a wisp of a plot and that was laid on top of this in a much less uh, sturdy way than it was here. So I love I love performances. I really do like Robin Wright a lot. She'll always be the Princess Bride to me. And so I like seeing her, that she's working, but I don't necessarily feel like it needed to be her doing that. Wasn't buying um, her in this role. In fact, I felt like there were a couple of moments that were like, ooh, borderline bad. <laughs> That's uh, fair. But on the other hand, they might have put in, oh, I'm not going to remember any of these names. Who's the one who did uh, What's Love Got to Do With It? She played Tina Turner. Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett would have been a like a, a obvious go-to for diversity and playing the tough talking, but she's in, in the end she's got his back. Or that one from How to How to Get Away with Murder on TV now, who wins all the awards, who I also can't remember. She was probably in that uh, <laughs> in the movie we already did, the Oscar winner where they're working for NASA. Never mind, I'm just embarrassing myself. It's not ringing a bell. Hidden figures. You. I'll come. Hidden Figures is the movie. <clears throat> who's the television actress who's in Hidden Figures who wins? Octavia all Spencer. Oh no, not her. I was thinking of no. The t- like who would be the tough talking cop woman? Taraji uh, P. <laughs> it's 
Hansen? No, I. You know what? The woman Kirsten Dunst. Wasn't. <laughs> Who are you? I don't know. No. Running stop, out of women. Stop. Just stop. This is uh, <clears throat> this is very sad. I'm thinking of Viola Davis, who probably wasn't in that movie at all. But th- those would have been would have been more painfully obvious casting choices for that part. But I wouldn't have sort of wanted any of them in there. Look, I felt man, like I don't know. I felt yeah. like there was nothing, dri- like there was nothing driving the movie. There was, a, I mean, it was minimal. Huh. I felt like visually it went minimal in a minimal direction from the first movie. Um, they went okay. back to clean. There was a lot of there. There was some a, a little bit. I know after all the talk of dirty, <clears throat> but I felt like there was much more attention paid to that hologram girlfriend Joy than was yes. necessary. As gorgeous as she was, it wasn't agreed. It didn't and as charming as she was. And, Bringing her outside to feel the raindrops on her hand—that was great. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you there. That, but I just felt like um, it went on too yeah. long. Even when they show like the hologram Frank Sinatra, it was like, yeah, okay, we don't need to see a whole verse. Right. We get if it. If we've well, well, along those same same lines, downstairs we saw the hologram Elvis, then we saw the hologram Marilyn, then we saw a hologram Rockettes, and then we went back in time and saw some other hologram. And I'm like. Every time you change it up, it doesn't make it newer new. It just makes it different. It doesn't have a bigger and bigger impact. And then when you shrink it down and make it the basically their the future futures version of a jukebox with a with a hologram yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, by then, it, the idea is already burnt out from the several other times. So maybe don't have him sing two full verses. Right. Maybe have him sing. Hold him in the shot for. The first, uh, what do you call that in uh, in music? How is music measured? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. In not oh, frames, man. but this show's off the rails. <laughs> no one's listening anymore. Oh, anyway, man. doesn't matter. So there. I, yeah, listen, so I'm, I don't know. I'm coming I, I, around to your. Yeah. I'm coming around to your side in terms of. I absolutely think that whatever point that they felt like they needed to keep making with her, I didn't feel like it was a new point every time with the character of Joy. No. And so they they spent way too much time with her. And then even once she was dead, she came back. Right. As one of those monolithic uh, creatures and, you know, kneeling down and saying, you yeah. know, and let I me thought was. Yeah. Go ahead. You thought was what? No, no, no. no. Um. When she called him Joe in his apartment, it didn't seem as sort of weirdly offensive to me, stereotypically, racially, not even really. But, you know, the the, the sort of call girl look where she's calling the guy Joe feels very 19, you know, 1940s in the as in the I love you long time Joe kind of a thing. Right. And I was like, hey, hang on a second. My, my, my problem with that was that. I know it's the future and everything, but it doesn't seem to me like having an eight to ten foot vagina come right up into my face <laughs> is an effective ad yes. campaign. Again, well. <laughs> again, that scene that 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 could have been reduced to one line, and we would have gotten the point. This movie was not in any hurry to get to the point. And that really that it kind of ticked me off a little bit. I don't mind okay. Ryan Gosling moping. I like that aspect of the story of him sort of like struggling okay. for this identity. But I felt like yeah. 
it, it became really pedestrian. And then, I mean, thank God they didn't make him like the chosen one who was going to lead the revolution. I mean. Right. Well, it seemed like they were on their way to doing that. But here's, I, I'm having a little bit of a problem, then I'll stop it. One of the reasons I was getting so frustrated and I feel, felt like throttling you was I sort of feel like you're you're applying a different yardstick to the first movie than you are here. And I think many of the things about this no. movie that you're saying could easily be said about the other movie. And In I, fact, and they are what I feel about the other movie. And I qualified. That it, it really I qualified that the first okay. movie isn't isn't perfect, and that there are a lot of things to say about it. But here's the thing. Okay. Okay. That yeah. doesn't that doesn't now mean that everyone gets a, a pass to 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 do it themselves. You know, you're supposed to be better than your enemy. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to like justify your behavior by saying well they did it so we can do it but that's but movie... that's just it is no no no. that's just it i don't think this movie did that i think it took its own thing it was respectful to the past in a way that say there's there have been a string and i meant to look this up before we started there have been a string of movies that are basically being completely rebooted now like even Prometheus or whatever. I feel like Prometheus is endless and slow and all of the same things yeah. that were wrong with the original Blade Runner for me were wrong with Prometheus that there wasn't, you know, and then even the more recent one, uh, what was it called? Alien Covenant. Mm. There are some things in there that I just, and not necessarily that it's slow, but that I'm just yelling at the screen or trying not to yell at the screen it was when this like, guy is smoking a cigarette on another planet. Like, how do you have any idea what cigarette smoke is going to do to that planet? And then you drop the butt on the ground. What kind of asshole are you? What kind of soldier are you? you know, what kind of scientific exper- uh, expedition is this? It felt like the, not even the episode, but like the part of the episode where they flash forward to the future <laughs> and sort of like catch you up on whatever happened to that character 40 years down the road. Oh. Except most... <laughs> Except most other narratives do that in about 10 minutes, not two oh, and a half hours. Oh, my God. Well, listen, I was engaged and I and I wow. had I had more fun with this than I did with the other one. And I don't you mentioned I, okay. I don't you know meant, what to you, say. You mentioned the, uh, the, the, the the hench replicant. The, the yes. Woman yes. With the bangs. Yeah. You know what? Yes. All every time she appeared <laughs> on screen, all I thought of was the Matrix because she looks like Hugo Weaving. And all I'm like, I'm like. It's him. He's back. She, He's back. She it's looks like, like this Hugo robotic weaving. engine. She sure does. Oh my god. Oh, I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, not only am I gonna find. You know what? I'm not only am I gonna match up frames where they look alike. I'm gonna post it on the Facebook page and everything. And and frankly, Wallace, Jared Leto's lair, very much had like yes. an old school James Bond feeling to me. Like when Ken Adam was doing these crazy huge but minimal designs for Blofeld's right. lair. And I was like, we're getting that back here. I kept thinking of all these other movies. I started like just drifting off of this movie. Right, right. It was nowhere near as engaging to me, to tell you the okay. truth. And, and, and we should also qualify, and I can't speak for you. I was 15 when I okay. saw Blade Runner, the original. Right. So I concede that... Probably a lot of my relationship is governed by a sense of nostalgia and naivete at the time it was making an impression on me. I like it now for the, right. you know, for the atmosphere, the visuals, and everything else. And I think for a B-plot, it does an adequate job of suggesting larger questions about 
life mm-hmm. in general. And the way Buzz seemed to be generating about this, that's kind of what I was expecting. Unfortunately, I spent half the movie asking myself, is this a work print? Because it sure felt like one. <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. You, you are so... You are so mean. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, listen, uh, I, I appreciate the qualifier that you just gave. It certainly gives the words you speak better weight with that having been said. Well, we all have, I mean, I think because anyone it, who has a relationship with the first movie probably has to right. realize and that. I had you a know, relationship, but it, it wasn't. A, but you and I were closer. I had a relationship. You and I were closer to Ground Zero. You saw it in a theater when it came out. So, you know, you kind right. of possibly still remember the context, the cultural context in which it came out. It was right. different and shocking and, and disturbing in ways that science fiction movies really weren't. At that time. Right. So there was definitely, definitely stuff in it that made a tremendous impression on me as a youngster, but I understood it better and enjoyed it more when I saw it the other night with my wife. But even within that, I mostly don't respect it overall Hmm. the way you and many others do but but and uh, um not nearly as much as i respect aliens and or other work that ridley scott has done yes but what i'm really afraid of is that you're going to say not as much as you respect 2049 (laughs) um no the respect that i have the respect the part of it that i respect uh that i have for the original is pure respect Whereas 2049, I enjoyed more than I enjoyed the original. And I look forward to seeing it again. Whereas I don't look forward to ever seeing the original Blade Runner in any of its versions wow. again. Except having you sit with me and show me. This is what, this is what it must print. feel like when the magnetic pole flips. Because <laughs> we're, so com- we're so completely opposite. I hope right. I don't have to... I, I probably will watch 2049 again, but I'm already not looking forward to it. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're, this is really, yeah, it's very strange how, how flipped around we are. Um, so generally speaking, what did you think of uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve's work here compared to we both saw and liked Sicario at the very beginning of this, ep- of this uh, podcast's life? Mm. And we also saw and, and loved uh, the, uh, just Arrival. As well, so we both. No, had, uh, I was not. I was strong... not as taken with Arrival as the rest of the world was. Much like I'm not as taken okay. with this as the rest of the world seems to be. The rest of the world, except for fans of the original movie, because I think fans of the original movie were were paying their respects by upholding the tradition of not going to the theater to see it, because it sounds like 2049 is kind of underperforming. Oh, wow. So <clears throat> I didn't realize the that. tradition I, uh, I, th- I think the tradition is upheld. I think this is going to be a disappointment for Warner Brothers. Huh. Okay. And where does this fall for you on your Ryan Gosling scale? Um, he was fine. Or do you He was fine. I liked him in okay. the, I mean I I liked him in this in the sense that he's likable. He yes. he he he, yes. he was he was appropriately expressive. And I okay. I believed that he was playing that character, that he was that character. He was fine for me. Right. I had no issues with him. And actually, I almost kind of didn't mind Harrison Ford 
as much as I thought I was going to yeah. either. Yeah, I liked him too, and I liked the scene at the end. I liked the scene in the lair, in Wallace's lair, where he's really struggling with some emotion, and we're seeing more out of him than we sometimes get. Yeah, except again, um, that I scene to took assume... me back to uh, James Bond and the, uh, you don't know what pain is like. <laughs> again, again. And then I guess apparently whatever pain he's about to experience that involves taking him somewhere else because yes suddenly you can't the, do that. suddenly he's in the air with Hugh, with 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 Mrs. Weaving and Hugh Gant right. and uh <laughs> and uh there's a takedown there's an aerial takedown situation right hang on a second i want to back up to that other scene first you have to have enjoyed Rachel getting shot in the head <laughs> Um, well, I didn't I, because that was the only other that was the only other thing we talked about off air was the the possible the chilling thought that they might bring Sean Young back out. Well, I'll tell you something to actually be in the movie. Well, I'll tell you something. Yes, I wish she mm-hmm. I wish she had come back and recorded some additional dialogue with Harrison Ford that they could have dropped in when they're replaying the Voight comp test from the first movie. Yeah. You know, because in the movie, they're playing a montage. And there's no reason right. why this data of the raw recording would be montaged. Well, okay, hang on a second. Hang on a second. No, I think in the in the thing, they shoot it like it's a montage. But if you listen to it audibly, she's still talking about, she's giving the same answer overlapping, in three different no, setups. We can play it again. Okay. Go watch it again. There's overlapping... They, they overlap. Okay, set that aside. Responses that aside. of hers that from different times. Okay, I understand. I understand. Set that aside. Uh, you and I can argue about that off the air. What I wanted to say was, at least that was the test part of it, which seems like in that world, in the world of Blade Runner, they'd already kind of set up that these tests were recorded. Right. So they had the audio of it. But in the scene in the lair, we see image we see the image of rachel meeting him right which was not part of the test which means that old man uh whatever his name old man terrell terrell uh was recording everything all the time in that area otherwise they wouldn't have had the footage literal footage that was from the movie yeah um that to me was an even bigger cheat and then they end up with a body double well and a look yeah but here well 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 here's the thing though okay yeah any way you slice it, okay, they have apparently all the data slash DNA, whatever they need to recreate Rachel. Yeah. Not a hologram because she gets shot in the head, right? Right. Yes. But. So what do they need anybody for? But they get the eye color wrong? No, no. More importantly. Well, yes, I understand. That's awesome. I mean. That's a very awesome point. It sounds like a good line and everything, but it falls apart. And, and, and as you just said a minute ago. They've got the Void contest, which is a shot of her eye. So all the more reason why they should have had that correct out of all the details. No, no, no. Okay, all of that is awesome, but you're missing the much bigger picture when you say this. Which is what? Which is, the bigger picture is this, that Wallace has been, okay, apparently Terrell somehow figured out or accidentally stumbled on a way to have a replicant become pregnant and carry a baby to term that isn't horribly deformed or doesn't have super other terrible things other than the fact that it later gets sick and needs to live in a box. So somehow Wallace was chasing that 
sort of um, holy grail of how can I get these replicants to start reproducing? That's what he wants because he can't ever build enough because it takes longer to build them than apparently it would just to have them procreate. You with me so far? Yeah. Okay. If they can reproduce Rachel to full effectiveness, then they've already produced a physical version of her which would be capable of reproduction. You, it's you got you got to say something, man. Yeah. Okay. Even if yeah, it's okay. <laughs> all right. No. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, just for the listeners, he was shrugging his shoulders and looking at me like whatever. No, to me, this is a very exciting hole in the... Now, if you want to start tearing this movie apart, to me, that's the thing, is why would he... If he can just create another Rachel, then then he, Wallace, would have all he needs to build an army of these things because that particular combination of cells was capable of... Exactly. Procreation. Unless, unless, unless the only the only surviving sample in that massive data bank of his was the pre... Yes pre-uterus infused Rachel <laughs> or perhaps the magic ingredient is love because she fell in love with Deckard and that then made her able to create a baby without a uterus I'm going to forget you said that <laughs> and I'm going to yes. hope that That's our that listeners <laughs> forget you said that as well <coughs> okay okay Oh, you're all so hateful. Sorry. No, the, uh, you know what? Me, sh- this, this was, to me, what Prometheus was to Alien. This was as deflating an experience as Prometheus was. Oh, I see. I see. Right. It all comes from how 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 inflated are you about the original? Because I was not that inflated, and so I had some room to grow or lower and not have a big difference, and you came way down. I think they had a, uh, just they had a great stopping. idea, and it wasn't, uh, if you'll pardon the pun fleshed out okay i think you think that i have that i revere the original movie much more than i actually do. okay i admit that it's a flawed film it's okay, not okay. canonical to me it's just i have a fo- i have a fondness for it but i certainly did not go into 2049 thinking there's no way you can make a sequel <laughs> to blade runner that's all right well it felt a little bit like that you know no just from just from the teasers okay that, that they had a few months ago with ryan gosling i was like no okay, okay. Maybe. all right they can pull it off who knows i and then it started getting this really good buzz i was like hey maybe they did it it wasn't like you can't like there's no way you could top the original i know the original's flawed Okay. <laughs> I would say for me, I enjoyed, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Ryan Gosling in Crazy Stupid Love way more than I enjoyed him here, but I thought he did a I fine job. I enjoyed him in... I liked him in Place Beyond the Pines. Place Beyond the Pines, I thought he was terrific. So I think I've seen him do things I like a lot more than what I I liked him more here. in The Nice Guys but than I, thought I he was... him here. I'll give you that one too. Um, I won't quite give you La La Land because I still have a very complicated relationship with La La Land. Listeners can go back and hear what what uh, we had to say about that in the past. Um, I want to touch, just because we haven't said their names, just referred to them in a way that I find rude. Uh, Joy was played by an actress named Ana de Armas, uh. who was in, let's see, Dogs of War, was something big that she was in recently that people might know. Um, and the other one who you keep, you have to send me two pictures of these, uh, Mr. Smith or Dr. Smith. What did you call him? What's the actor's name? Hugo Weaving? 
Yeah, and Sylvia Hoax or Hooks, H O E K S. I'm really sorry, folks. I'll do it. I'm gonna love. be. I'm gonna be a big dick. I'm gonna be a big asshole for doing it, <laughs> but I'll do it because it has to be done. No, no. I just put it on the Facebook page. I would like to see those pictures together, and uh, and know what all that was. Now, I think. I don't even think we need final takes. I think we've beaten this thing to death one way or another mm-hmm. already in terms of our levels of, of how much we enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it. Um, so let me just do one quick thing because there was a piece of trivia that I had not mentioned the last time we uh, we were on earlier in this episode. Oh, that's right. You had and mentioned trivia. I wanted trivia. to bring it up. Yeah. And I wanted to bring it up here and you had suggested that I do it as a sort of as a game with you to see if you could guess I'm when, probably I'm probably uh, going to regret the... this. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so uh, let me see how to phrase it as a piece of trivia. Give me one second. Sorry, Rutger Hauer came up with a few things that were not scripted. Uh, one was a piece of business, and another was uh, a, a line. A piece of business that were not scripted that he. he ad-libbed or whatever so I, I can't tell from your smile so so the 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 the, the trivia question to you is, is is name either one or both the piece of business that he had that required a prop um for him to interact with and what that interaction was and or the line that he uh i'm sorry explain the explain set. the business part again the piece of business it, it was not scripted but it was something he said i think the character should do xyz with a particular prop at this particular point in the movie. And it's something that the character of Batty does? Is he the one? Yes, absolutely. And listen, you can do either of these. You don't have to feel like you have to get both of them because some of them could be things that just, who knows how true this stuff is. I think the line that he improvises is that's the spirit when Harrison Ford hits him with the pipe. (laughs) You know what? That is a great line. It was one I meant to mention but didn't. And it is not the particular answer to this question. But I think that you're probably right about that. I'm going to give you slightly narrower clues because you have the entire movie to choose from. And that's that's a very wide thing. But I love that. That's the spirit. I laughed so hard at that last night or the night before, whenever it was. And uh, thank you so much for bringing it up because that was beautiful. This is the last... I'm talking about the last scene... I'm talking about the the last you know scene of the movie, not the that extended. Not the dove is the prop. It was not in the script, and he thought Batty should be holding a dove. Wow. Okay. The line is: "All these moments will be lost like tears in rain." Yep. In time, it's all these moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. Was from the mind of Rutger Hauer. And not part oh, of that man. speech. That's that's like that's one of the lines you take away from that movie. Yeah. Besides, that's the spirit. <laughs> right, and and the idea of meeting your maker, I really do like that. That his whole thing, his whole journey is he's going to meet his maker, in both the literal and the figurative meaning of a phrase which means to die. And, and that wasn't something that sort of uh, landed with me when I was younger. I probably may not have even known the phrase when I was uh, a pipsqueak. 
So anyway, that was my well, little bit of that was my little bit of trivia. I I sincerely hope that there are no big fans of 2049 <laughs> who are deflated. And if there were, whether you agreed with us, you didn't agree with us, you're furious, or you absolutely adore us, please visit our Facebook page. Please visit. Nah. Uh, yeah, what are you saying that nah for? Um, you can email us. All of this other information is available in the show notes. I will also uh, will add it as an audio drop at the very end, too, so that you can just hear it and you don't have to go searching for it. And it'll make it easier, perhaps, for you to find it. Beautiful. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have made it through arguably one of the longest episodes of uh, Hollywood RX in existence. But still shorter than 2049. <laughs> We'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, for now and until next time, the doctors are out. <laughs>